This is the Weekend Booktopian. I'm Mark Harding, and today I'm welcoming my fellow Booktopians, Joel, Chanu, and Stefania, to discuss the books they are reading at the moment. Uh, let's start with you, Stefania. What are you reading, and what do you like about it? So, um, this weekend, I'm going to be diving into Lisa Wilkinson's It Wasn't Meant to Be Like This. So, I've started reading it a bit. The, I read the forward and the first couple of chapters and enjoying what I've read so far. So I don't know if anyone's across what's been happening at the moment, but there's a lot of stuff in the media about this book. Um, and the focus is all about Carl and her leaving the Today Show. And um, But honestly, I think that's the most uninteresting aspect of her life. I think the most interesting thing for me um, when I heard about this book was the fact that she grew up in Campbelltown so she's a Western suburbs girl like me. Um, she was bullied at school like me. Um, she was a really good student who felt like she needed to minimise how good she was at school because she wanted to take attention away from herself. So I find all of that really fascinating, how someone that grew up like that at a time when girls were told they, when they left school they could be hairdressers and secretaries and, you know, then they'd get married, have kids and stay home. She ended up moving on to be the editor for Dolly at 21, at a time when women weren't, um, you know, didn't have big roles in industries. Um, and the fact that the publishing industry, if anyone knows much about it, um, magazine industry, it's full of men. So she was like this 21 year old girl doing this huge high powered job. So I'm really fascinated by that. And the fact that when I was reading Dolly as a teenager, she was the editor. So like all of that is really fascinating for me. That's what I'm looking to, looking forward to reading about. And then also her interview with Brittany Higgins earlier this year and how it sparked Australia's Me Too movement. And I find it fascinating that in Australia, our Me Too moment has been around the government and around Canberra, which is totally different to everywhere else where it's been about the entertainment industry. So, you know, what does that say about Australia and about women in this country that what we rise up against is politicians rather than the, the, the entertainment industry? So all of that, that's what I'm looking forward to reading. And I'm meeting her next Tuesday, so I'll be able to ask her some questions about it. So. That's what I'm reading at the moment. Yeah, that's that's really that that's really interesting, Stefania. Um, because you, you're doing a podcast with her next week, and we also have a live event next week yeah. with her on Wednesday evening, where I'll be interviewing her. So I'm actually going to be reading her book this weekend as well. So we can compare notes yes. uh, on Monday. <laughs> so it'll be interesting because I'm looking at it from that sort of women's point of view, like a woman in the in the male-dominated industry. It'll be interesting to see your take on it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Awesome. Uh, what, what, what else have you been reading? So look, I think people who listen to our podcasts would know that most of the podcasts I've been doing um, have been around nonfiction. So I joined a couple of months ago. So all the books I've been reading for work have been nonfiction. Um, so I thought maybe people would be interested to hear what kind of fiction books I read. So I've picked out two that I read earlier this year. Um, and just to give you a bit of a background, so what I like to read is actually commercial fiction. I'm, I'm always drawn to the premise of the book. So what's the story about? Is there a lot of talking points about it? 
Um, I don't get too fussed about prose <laughs> and, you know, the turns of phrases. You know, people wax lyrical about literary things about books, but for me it's all about story. So the first book I want to talk about is Rodham by Curtis, um, I think it's Sittenfeld, Field, which yep. came out earlier in 2020. So the premise of this is what if Hillary hadn't married Bill? So she does meet Bill, but she doesn't marry him in this book. So it's, it's one of those sort of sliding doors books. Um, it's an alternative universe. The start of the book, um, she does, it's the love story. It's based on reality. It's, it's historically accurate. They meet at college. They have the love story. But then she turns down his marriage proposal. And that's where there's this, this shift in our reality and, and what happens then. So the big questions, you know, like if they don't get married, does Bill end up becoming president? Does he have a sex scandal? Um, what happens to Obama? Do we have Obama? What happens to Trumpism? Does Trump become president? Or does Hillary even run? So all of these questions, um, which I found really fascinating. And then um, it also goes into, so I'm going to give some spoilers here <laughs> for anybody who, who doesn't uh, want to It's know. okay, I've read it. It's, it's You've read wonderful. it, yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. That's so, I think this is probably the only book that all three of us will have, will have read that you're talking about. It. It's really interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, the fact that she doesn't marry Bill and the whole Monica Lewinsky thing doesn't happen, we don't have a Me Too moment. So the movement is totally different. And I found that really interesting, right? Um, so what would the world look like without Me Too? <laughs> um, and then the characters of Trump and Bill are really hilarious in this alternative universe because they're totally different to the ones in reality. Um, interestingly for me was the fact that Bill, Bill Clinton, becomes the new Trump. So he's this billionaire with trophy wives who um, runs against Hillary and he hates her. There's all this stuff around. It's that whole side of it I loved. And also the fact that um, there was so much information about the way um, American politics works. I... I felt like I learned about how <laughs> the, um, the, the race actually works. So I was looking things up to make to find out what was true, what was real, what did she change, what things had shifted. So that's, all of that was really interesting. So it's not a book for anyone who doesn't like Hillary, but it is a book for people who, on the day that Trump won, um, cried like I did. Um, <laughs> So if you want to know, if you want to have some kind of idea of what could have been, this would be the book to go and read. Awesome. Yeah, that we're, I think we've had a couple of people uh, read that on this podcast over the past oh, really? year or so. Yeah, yeah. And everybody like seems to really us. like it. I yeah. think I recommended it on this podcast. Actually. Me too. <laughs> did, you, did anyone else, because this is the one thing, right? I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed it. Like you said, Stefania, so many questions, so interesting. But then afterwards, I did make me think, should I have enjoyed it that much? Because these are all real people that are still, that are still living. And then I thought about how, how does Hillary feel about having this book? 
written Hillary and Bill have both read it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh. So what are they, they going to say? They can't, they can't say. They were very you know. careful. They didn't say very much about it, but they said, but someone asked them, her in an interview and she said, oh, yeah, Bill and I have read it. So I just thought I just found I just thought after after I finished reading it and really enjoyed it, I just thought oh, about the about whether the ethics about writing about you know I, find, I, I think when you put lives. yourself out in the public sphere like that, yeah. you have to sort of accept that people are gonna play around with your public image and, and it's not really them. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and that's you know, right, that's because why it I... is a fa alternative history and fantasy. Yeah. Um yeah. I, I, mean, I, I, I get your point though. Can you imagine how awesome it would have been if um, Bill and Hillary had supplied the cover quotes for that book? <laughs> Hillary Clinton, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> no, Bill, Hillary Clinton, not the maybe, first I, time maybe this was a better life for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Because <laughs> Curtis, Curtis Sittenfield Bell did, uh, was it American Wife? That, yes. was, yeah. that, that was about <laughs> Laura Bush, basically. Yeah. Right? Um, so it's not the first time she's done this. It's, an it's a very interesting career to take as an author is like rewriting the, the stories of real people yeah. uh, especially yeah. political figures it's yeah a, it's a bizarre oh, right. interesting yeah. yeah all right thank you stefania what what's the uh, what what's the other book that you that you want to talk and, about and the other book was uh by nicholas shakespeare not nicholas sparks nicholas shakespeare and it's called inheritance so this one the premise is um, what if you accidentally inherited millions of dollars from a complete stranger? So the, the story is there's the protagonist, Andy, he's this young broke guy who works in publishing in, in a dead end job. Um, and he's just been dumped by his fiance and he's on his way to the funeral of his favorite school teacher, but he makes a mistake because he's running late. He ends up in the wrong funeral. He ends up in the wrong chapel. And he's too embarrassed to leave, so he stays. And then he's only one of another mourner. So there's only two people at this funeral. And he signs the register. And then because he signed the register, you later discover that the will stipulates that only people who attended the funeral and signed the register will inherit his fortune. So this young guy suddenly becomes this multimillionaire so the start of the book is how he deals with that and you know how it impacts his life and you you discover that this millionaire had family and how they deal with it and all of that but um then it starts on the backstory of who this person was and that to me is the most interesting part of the book so it's the story of um was it christopher madigan and it's one of these sweeping epic multi-generational stories um, it starts off um, in australia christopher came from a family of um, migrants who escaped the armenian genocide so it's him growing up in australia in the 50s um, as a migrant and how that um, how that was and then how he makes his fortune so he becomes a, a billionaire by going to Western Australia during the mining boom. So all of that's really fascinating for me, like how the how that happened. So I don't know if anybody knows much about the mining boom in Western Australia, but I, I discovered stuff out of this book. Um, and then how did he end up living in London all alone? So that's the, the fascinating backstory. 
and you you would think that someone who ends up at a you know ends up at the end of his life with only two people at the funeral and by the way the other person that, that was at the funeral was his housekeeper so the only two people that go to this man's funeral are a complete stranger and his housekeeper so how did he end up like this and the, so the story is about you know, what makes you happy? Can money make you happy? It's about class. It's about identity. It's about um, what do you associate with home? Um, and where do you fit in? All these kind of big issues. But it's also a really fun, easy read. It's not um, too heavy. It was just a really pleasant thing to read earlier in the year. So I think people would like it too if they've read, um, it reminded me a little bit of Dutch House by Anne Patchett, that kind of multi-generational and just very calm, <laughs> easy read. Thanks, Stefania. That's that sounds great. And um, <laughs> might be a bit cynical of me, but maybe I'm going to start attending random funerals just to see what <laughs> happens. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, thank you. Thank you very much, Stefania. Um, and just to remind us, listeners, that you can find links to all of the books that we're discussing today uh, in the show notes, or you can just head over to booktopia.com.au um, and search for the titles there. And speaking of heading over to booktopia.com.au, today we have a book sponsor to mention. Kim Kelly is an Australian author who writes tales of passion, politics, and history, and the team at Brio Books has published 11 of her titles, including Black Diamonds, This Red Earth, and This Blue Mile. And for a limited time, you can save 25% when you buy three or more. That offer is only valid until October 31st, 2021. Uh, so if you're listening to this uh, prior to then and you would like some tales of passion, politics, and history, then head over to booktopia.com.au and check out Kim Kelly. All right, moving on. Joel, uh, what are you reading and what are you liking about it? Can I just say, Kim Kelly, she's lovely. I worked with her for years as an author, uh, as her um, editor, and um, I, uh, she's a great, she's a great person, great, um, great author, and yeah, worth a read. Anyway, <laughs> personal recommendation for the ad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that's not what I'm here to talk about today. Uh, I have I have a few books. I'm going to start with the one that I started reading first of these, but I haven't finished yet, even though I've started it first. And that is Beautiful World, Where Are You? by uh, Sally Rooney. Uh, it's, I started reading it quite a while ago now, <laughs> several weeks ago, and I keep, it's one of those books that I really enjoy while I'm reading it. And I find very difficult to go back to when I put it down. I think because, uh, I, th I think just because it's it's about normal people living normal lives, and it's not really the type of book that I that I, that I find like super enticing most of the time. That's not it's not my general type of read. But when I do read it, I adore it. The writing, her writing, is so brilliant and observant and careful, and uh, she more than any other writer I can think of writing at the moment in that space is um, observant about a certain generation of people who, and I, uh, my generation and younger. Uh, and I think, I think it's just really interesting to see how that type of literary fiction that is observant and careful about normal people has changed over the last couple of generations. And I think she's just a fascinating reader to read and the stories are just I love, very... I love how you keep 
I love how you keep saying normal people. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Not subtle. Yeah. The author of Normal People. <laughs> If you haven't heard about this book, I'm sure I'm sure ten other people have recommended it. So I'm not going to go on about it, other than to say, I am still reading it and I'm still enjoying it. And what I've done is, uh, in order to get through it, because I know that I'm uh, that I'm uh, dragging my heels, uh, it's partially about savoring it. But uh, what I've done is switch now to the audio book, <laughs> and I'm listening to it in audio whilst I read other books in 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 words. Uh, I mean, they're all words. Time? You listen yeah, to the audio book. And then you're reading no, another book. No, not simultaneously. Time. Oh, no. that's what, yeah. But I'm listening to the audiobook of, of uh, Beautiful Because I was World. like, I know you're an editor and I had to multitask, but that's something. Um, <laughs> no, that's crazy. Oh, no, I was thinking the same thing. How do you do that? <laughs> no. No, it, I, I, I don't read them at the same time. No, while I'm doing other things, I listen to the audiobook of that. And then when I have time to sit down and read, I read. I, I'm more likely to pick up a f- more fun, silly book. The next book I'm going to talk about, which is Empire of the Vampire by Jane Christoph. Um, I read Jay Christoph um, years and years and years ago when um, I was working at Pam Mac and, we, and uh, he was published by Pam Mac. And I met him a few times and I, so I was like, oh yeah, I'll give him a go. And I, I really liked the series. It was, I can't remember the name of that series, but I haven't read him since then. And, um, and I know he gets hyped to, you know, all get out by the way community, and I and and I have just not been particularly enticed by anything. But uh, Emperor of the Vampire just really stood out to me—the artwork, everything about it—and I was like, "Yeah, I'll give it a go." It's—I mean, I—I I, I should say I'm reading it as an ebook or as a digital file, and um, it did—it wasn't clear to me when I started reading it that it's 750 pages long. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> and it is, but it is so readable. I started reading it a couple of nights ago and I, I burned through it. I'm not a very fast reader, but I burned through, yeah, more than a third of it um, with only, in only several hours of reading. Uh, so it's, it's uh, for me, it's very, very fast read. Um, it's a grimdark fantasy novel. Um, grimdark <laughs> is a great genre name because it sounds cool. Uh, <laughs> but the, a, a friend of mine who writes grimdark novels described it recently or well, he said he posted this uh um description of it that said look if you want to know whether your fantasy what kind of fantasy book you're in it's really easy you can tell by um the beer that's being served uh, if it's golden and delicious and served by a buxom bar wench or a dude with rippling abs and nice hair you're in high fantasy if it's foamy and served in clay mugs and the tavern smells like roast chicken and apple pie you're in epic fantasy if the beer is at best possible and you're probably better off or you would have been better off ordering whiskey and the tavern has dark corners where shadowy figures lurk during dark fantasy. If the beer is horse pissed and the hard liquor tastes like sour potatoes and makes you blind, three people were stabbed before the first round arrived. And the tavern has a shifty name like the dripping bucket. You're in a grim dark novel. That's, <laughs> Which I love. I think that's true. Uh, I think that's absolutely true. And I'm now going to hundred percent go back and like check. Yeah. And Empire of the Vampire is so on the money for that description, right? It it is the premise is um, that at a certain point in the fairly recent past, within the last 30 years, the sun basically went dim. And it, they don't try and describe it. It's, it's, it's set in a sort of French-inflected Middle Ages uh, era, but not, um, not our Earth, some other place. But it, a lot of French names and French words. There's a lot of we. Oui. 
and a lot of uh, wearing French Middle Ages clothes, um, which I, which is you know it's just uh, just enough to make it seem gothic, but not um, not particularly uh, accurate. And um, it's in this world, so vampires have risen up in the dark, basically, because they can now walk in sunlight. The sunlight is too dim. So it's apocalyptic in a sense of what that does to the environment, but also uh, apocalyptic because these monsters start walking among people. And so some, and so like a lot of vampire novels, some of the vampires are sort of mindless zombie type creatures. And some of them are uh, like, you know, aristocratic looking, very human seeming monsters. And the main character is a, a, a vampire hunter um, who is sort of part vampire himself. And the part of it that I like is the last, uh, probably the last fan fantasy series that I was absolutely obsessed with and have had to curb my enthusiasm for because the third book still hasn't come out is um, the, in, the name, name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss, which has a very similar premise in that the whole book, that whole series is told as a series of stories by the main character. And so you know, you know that the story is not totally accurate. You start to pick up on the fact that he's leaving things out. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm fairly early in this book, but I'm already getting the impression. So he's telling, he's, the, the book opens when the main character has been caught by the vampires and is about to be executed. And he starts telling his story to the historian. And so you know that he's not telling the whole, the, the whole truth, basically. And it's just a fascinating way of telling a, a story. Um, having the whole thing be retold to someone else. And he's this legendary vampire hunter and he's having to tell his own story. So you don't know how much of it is really true and how much of it is what he's telling this particular vampire who he obviously doesn't want to get killed by at some point. So anyway, it's really interesting. I'm really, really enjoying it. I highly recommend it for anyone who likes that description of Grimdark or has read Patrick Rothfuss or um, obviously well if you like Jay Gristoff. Well, while you were talking just then, I literally went onto the website and ordered a copy. <laughs> yeah, I think you'll like it, Mark. It's very, um, it's got lots of horror inflections in it too. It's super goth. nice. The, the little um, goth teen inside me that I never really um, let out, even when I was a teenager, uh, is very, very happy <laughs> about this book. It's very fun. Um, it's very dark, I should say, and uh, I expect it will probably have a fairly dark ending because I don't know how you get out of this situation, but I, I haven't got there yet, so we'll see. Anyway, it's a standalone, very, very right? Good. It's not part of a series, or it is part I of think a series? it is going to be part of a series. Um, uh. But I think this one stands, it's not, it's not connected to any of his other books as far as I know. Um, it certainly doesn't seem to be from the way it's written. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway. I, I, can't um, wait to, I can't wait to read it and talk to you about it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah no, definitely hit me up. I'd love to talk to. I, I haven't. I've intentionally not talked to anyone in our team about it because I wanted to keep it fresh for talking on the podcast. But awesome. now I will because I know some of our team members have talked about it, and I want to talk to people. <laughs> everyone, everyone that has read it so far has loved it. Yeah, it's great. It's really good. Um, the fi final book is very, very quickly. I just want to shout out Rosie and Russos, which I've read to my daughter now, and she uh, loved. Um, it's a new book by Jimmy Barnes, kids' book. It's about a little rhinoceros that uh, thinks that she's a unicorn, but she's like the stompiest, chunkiest little. Kid. There's something that very most people who have little little girls, children, I think will appreciate this because there's a there's a certain quality of a certain type of little girl that's like, yeah, I'm a unicorn. <laughs> 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 that certainly my daughter has. 
<laughs> where she like stomps around the house screaming at people and shouting and bashing things and then I'm a beautiful princess <laughs> <laughs> and it captures this sort of that sense of uh, that type of little kid and reflects it back to them in a really lovely way I think it's just a beautiful book and surprising you know I wasn't necessarily expecting to love a kid's book that Jimmy Barnes would do. I don't know. I, I like Jimmy Barnes. I think he's done a great job with the publishing he's done so far, but I wouldn't necessarily have guessed that this book would turn out as great as it has. And it ha it's, it's really lovely. So yeah, highly recommended. Um, that's all I've got. Shanu, is there, is there anything, is there anything <laughs> that Jimmy Barnes is not ridiculously talented at? I know, right? Because I've yeah. seen so the cookbook annoying. and the cookbook that's coming out in a couple of weeks and the cookbook is amazing. And so, um, <laughs> I've already earmarked some recipes uh, for like when, you know, we have, you know, more than just myself and my husband to cook for um, that, that I'm going to make. So, nope, I think he can do anything. Pretty much. Yeah. He's the, yeah. <laughs> Australia's renaissance man, Jimmy Butts. <laughs> <laughs> also, he did, he did do the cookbook with his wife as well. So, yes. don't, don't forget about Jane. Yes. Uh, Shanu, what, uh, what have you been reading and what have you been liking about it? I've been reading lots. I've been reading so many books. Um, I, I just read, that's all I've been doing in, on weekends, uh, smashing through about four books a weekend. Um, however, I'm really rubbish about talking about why I really enjoy the books that I enjoy, particularly the literary ones. So I'm going to leave um, the talking of those to other people on these podcasts who will or, or, will or already have talked about all of them. For example, Devotion was the, my the favourite book I've read this year, pretty much. And I've read like over 100 books but I can't tell you why it was so good and I can't make you go and read it from me talking about it. So I'm just going to tell you that it was amazing and go and listen to Ben and Hannah um, who've already talked about it and written review and someone's written a review about it and that will help you. But I loved it. Um, one book that That's I- That's on my TBR. I'm so excited. Yes. I'm actually really excited yes. to read that. I'm like, I'm like making other people, I'm taking it to people and being like, you need to go and read this book. Um, but yeah, it's just really good. I've never, and the best part, well, not the best part, but for me, um, pretty much all of the books that have come out this year I have never read before. So I've read um, the new uh, Jonathan Franzen um, and I, Crossroads, which I just loved. Read it all in one day. It was, it's like, it's big and chunky and a family saga and it only goes through like four years of this family. <laughs> There's two more volumes coming. And I just thought it was so good. Never read Franzen before. Read the new, um, you know, Amor Towns book, um, Lincoln Highway. Had never read the Russian one. Um, read, uh, okay, the only one I'd read that I had read another one from before was Sally Rooney. I had read um, Normal People, but like, yeah, Michelle de Cresta, Scary Monsters, incredible book. Well, two books really, flip, flip them around, you get two whole stories, um, completely different stories. Uh, never read her books before. <laughs> so I feel like, I don't know, it's hard for me to compare like whether, like what these books are compared to their last ones. But if you've never read any literary fiction, and you want to start this year, I think, to me, seems like an amazing year to start because, like, every single one of these books has been uh, incredible. Emily Biddo, Wild Abandon, crazy. Um, anyway, the book that I want to talk about a little bit in detail because I feel like, you know, I just, I just love this book so much. It was just pure, unadulterated fun. Well, if, as much fun as, you know, a crime book, you know, with murders and <laughs> bad things happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> is Chris Hammer's Treasure and Dirt which is actually our book of the month this year, which I was very happy about because um, I've been- This month? Yeah. This, right oh, now. Sorry, book of the month right now. Sorry, not even just this year, but like this month even. <laughs> and um, just for the rest of, like, I don't know when this podcast, is, I think this podcast goes live um, on the 20th, I don't know what date is today, the 27th or something. So that means the, anyone listening, yeah, yeah anyone listening It'll, to it, will have a couple of days to buy this book at a really cheap price. 
And I highly recommend buying many copies because um, you, you, again, once you've read it, you want like other people to read it. I've read every single one of Chris Hammer's books. The first one I read was back when I was only reading YA and I don't know why I decided to read. They, the publisher just sent it and I thought, okay, I'll give this one a read. And I was just so gripped by like this crazy story and the crazy names and everything. And so I was like, the next time I read, you know, kept reading them. This book though is like 100% his best, best, best book that he's written. Um, it is so, so good. So much fun. It's just like he's managed to like get the crazy, the crazy story, the crazy names, the um, the uh, Australian like landscape, but put it all together in like the most tight, fun way. There's no like wasted um, sections. There's nothing that you're like, why would you include this? It's like it all, and it all just builds and builds and builds to like just a great finale. And he's so good at the finales. Um, the best part about this one is that it is a standalone. So if you haven't read his others, it's totally fine. But for the people that have read all of them, one of the the main characters in this book is a minor character in the last book. So you still get this and it does reference some characters from like the detectives from previous books. So it gives you that like little, aha, yes, I know what's going on here. But if you don't know what's going on, it doesn't spoil the book at all. So um, just love it, love it, love it. Love Chris Hammer, such a, such a nice, nice man, nice author and written such a great book, um, highly recommend. And everyone else that, uh, that are crime lovers that have read the book so far, um, my sister-in-law who reads every single crime and thriller, psychological thriller out. Um, she loved it, passed it on to her husband who's reading it as well. And he's read maybe five books in the past year. So <laughs> if you read, if he reads one of these, you know, it's going to be good. Um, and then I just want to briefly mention that, and I, I feel like, you know, that maybe I've, I don't know if, if, if she's still fashionable to read or not, but I read um, for the first time ever, some, uh, a Joan Didion book. And um, it's uh, Slouching Towards Bethlehem. So it's like a collection of essays that she wrote um, back in the uh, late, sort of mid to late 60s. And um, I only read it because I've been reading, and I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I've been reading um, books by this author, Eve Babbitts, who writes about um, LA in, the, in that same sort of um, time period, but writes about it as like from a place of love, like she loves LA and it really comes across. And I kept reading how she's like the opposite of the Joan Didion because Joan Didion was also from California, not LA though. I think that's really important. Also from California, but she, um, she moved to New York, was lived there for a while and then moved back. And she writes in a much more restrained, um, observant kind of way. And the way she writes about, um, uh, the way she writes about California is much more sort of, clear-eyed and distant and about the sort of the bad things about California or how it's like doesn't live up to that kind of dream that people expected when they went you know, moved out west and so I just thought it was really interesting um to read her perspective uh I mean the book does have a story set in other places like uh, uh pieces she's written set in other places as well but it was particularly the 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 pieces she wrote about about California that I found super interesting especially reading it straight after um an Eve Babbitt's novel so I went from reading you know, Eve Babbitts to Joan Didion. And I thought that was, that was really interesting. And the, the, the long sort of long form story she writes about the hippies in, um, in, in Haight-Ashbury in like the mid sixties was just so fascinating. And um, it was like, it really, really took you into like you were there um, at that time and getting the views of the hippies themselves and then the views of the police. And, um, and it, yeah, it was really fascinating. So uh, it's a bit of a weird roundup there of, of, of books, but <laughs> that's kind of what I have been reading. And um, I'm just really looking forward to what's coming up next. I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna read this weekend. I haven't decided yet, 
but um, I've still got a few books left and starting to get the next next year's books in, which is really exciting. So I think I've got some, there's a really excellent book. Um, she needs to run away to grab a book. Yeah. Oh, she's back. Because, because all I can this is an audio medium. <laughs> I know that, but it's got legs on the front, so I couldn't call it, you know, the book with legs on the front. But um, it's called uh, A Very Nice Girl by Imogen Crimp. And I think I might give that a go this weekend. Very excited about that book from Bloomsbury. Thank you, Shanu. We are always extremely impressed by your ability to read four books in a weekend without even using Joel's technique of listening to one and reading the, <laughs> reading reading words at the same time. Oh, that's all I can <laughs> It's been lockdown, right? I literally get up, go sit outside, and then read from the beginning of the, from the morning until it gets dark. So that's that's my life. So. <laughs> Nice. That sounds blissful. Well, thank you so much, um, Joel, Stefania and Chanu for joining me today. Thank you to everybody who tuned in to listen. Um, again, you can check, uh, check out all of the books that we mentioned today in the show notes or just head over to booktopia.com.au and take a look around. It's a good website. You should probably just check it out anyway um, if you want to buy some books. It's therapeutic. It's good. Uh, so until next time, uh, thank you very much and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au